Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. say the word treasure, the first thought that comes to mind for you is probably not faith. When we hear the word treasure, we think of valuables and preciousness and even wealth. Sometimes we connect treasure with the whole idea of surprise, as in we come upon a treasure. Well, it just so happens that faith itself can be a treasure. It's valuable, it's precious, And yes, it gives us a richness of wealth. That's not monetary at all, of course, but even better. And faith can surprise us with its importance to our lives. In a moment, I'm going to read a passage from a letter in the New Testament called 2 Timothy. The writer, who lists his name as Paul, but who is unlikely to be the Apostle Paul, with which you may be familiar, He likens faith to a precious inheritance that we have been given. And in the case of Timothy's life, Timothy's faith is a direct result of his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois passing it down to him. Well, whether or not you were lucky enough to have a parent or grandparent instill faith in you, the writer in this passage makes clear that faith is not something we're supposed to sit on. To the contrary, we must keep rekindling that faith, whatever size that faith might be. And we must bring it to vibrant life, not timidly at all, but boldly, 
How can we do this? Well, we're told it's because we're given the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So here now, this reading from 2 Timothy, the first chapter, the first seven verses, and then the 14th verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. Recalling your tears when we last said goodbye, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So guard the good treasure that has been entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So now some thoughts about your faith and what it means not to sit on that faith, but rather to continue to revivify or revitalize or rekindle or resuscitate that faith that is in you. Take a listen. Now, there is something, I'm not sure what it is, but there's something about treasure, treasure in our lives, uh, that causes us to want to sit on it, to park it, and to sit on it. If you have something valuable that you believe might become more valuable, the instinct often is to hide it away, to keep it from seeing uh, the light of the day. And I'm not just talking about those of you that have treasure in the stock market where your advisor tells you, let it sit. But I'm talking about all of the treasures of our lives, those things that are really sweet and dear to us. We sit on them so often and kind of protectively, actually. In 1957, Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was an uh, interesting thing that happened. It was the 50th anniversary of the statehood of Oklahoma, and the city officials decided that they were going to have an honoring of this 50th anniversary um, by creating a time capsule. So they had a brand new 1957 Plymouth Belvedere. And they were going to put this in a time capsule uh, to be opened on the centennial in 2007. So what they did is they constructed this huge concrete vault, or bunker, on the front lawn of the courthouse, in which this, it was called Miss Belvedere, this Plymouth Belvedere would be buried or entombed. The lid of this bunker was a good three feet under the grass of the courthouse lawn. Now, the gimmick of that buried treasure, um, which would be opened in 2007 on the 100th anniversary of the statehood of Oklahoma, the gimmick was, as they unearthed this vehicle, that that citizen, which most accurately, who most accurately predicted the population of Tulsa 
in 2007 would get the car for free. Well, uh, it was a time capsule, and among the contents of this burial was a case of Schwitz beer in the trunk, and in the glove compartment were all of these objects from a woman's purse of the time. Tissue, lipstick, a makeup kit, 16 bobby pins, you know, and so forth. Well, 2007 came, and despite all the efforts to seal that bunker uh, as hermetically as possible, water had breached the bunker. They had the special sealant on this 12-inch thick concrete, but when they lifted the lid, there was four feet of water under which this uh, car was engulfed. It was ruined, it was a rusty hulk, and as for the guy who guessed the population most closely, he came within 2,000 of 384,969 people. Well, he died in 1988. <laughs> and his wife died in uh, a similar year. So there was nobody to give the car to, uh, a fun little gimmick, Miss Belvedere was, but I think it proved to be a kind of sad commentary on how we treat a lot of treasures in our lives. We sit on them. Yeah, we sit on them. Well, in this Bible reading I chose for today, 2 Timothy, this, the first chapter, there's this really famous verse. It is the most quoted verse in 2 Timothy. And it reads like this, guard the good treasure that has been entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit. Keep safe what has been deposited in you. So the writer who's referred to here as Paul, though most scholars believe this isn't Paul, it's not his language, it's not his writing, it's not his vocabulary. He's writing to uh, his buddy Timothy, whoever it is. And he has just reminded Timothy, before that famous verse, he has just reminded Timothy of the precious faith that is within him. It is genuine, it is sincere, he says, it is precious. And the reason that that faith is precious is because he got it from his mother, Eunice. It was handed down. And Eunice got it from her mother, whose name was Lois. It was handed down. So it's been passed down, as happens to be the case with faith as happens to be the case with our ninth graders this morning and how they received their faith. We receive it from some mentor, some parent, some teacher, some coach, some grandparent, a whole bunch of somebody's usually. Well, unfortunately, if you haven't noticed, this passing down of the faith is happening less and less in our country. People in the middle of their lives are nominal Christians. The whole idea, the whole notion of being Christian is completely peripheral to their daily decisions and to their daily priorities. People of all ages, but especially young people, young parents, increasingly disinterested in church or Christian community. So they have very, very, very little acquaintance with even the basics of faith. Perhaps you've noticed this. Perhaps you have friends like this. God, the riches of Scripture, the life of faith, it just doesn't compute. As far as a lot of people are concerned who are disconnected from faith, Moses is probably the name of a car. 
or the dust bunnies underneath their bed. They just don't know who Moses is or the Garden of Eden is or who Paul was or what forgiveness is. And the shrinking number of Christians, statistically speaking, the numbers are just plummeting. I think it makes clear that faith is not getting handed down. That's the only way faith tends to grow. We have all these people in our communities, in our circles of friends, who are without this precious faith, without this sincere and genuine faith of which this writer writes. And you know, it's kind of like an untethered boat, a boat without an anchor in a harbor, and then the tide rises or the storm surge comes in and the boat's just adrift. Well, if you think long and hard of the people who were instrumental in your life, who shaped who you are, who helped put faith in you, and if you think about the value of that faith, well, it's extraordinary because a lot of people, they can't do that. They have no well to draw upon. And if they have a well, it's not very deep or it's pretty dry except the very, very bottom. And some of the things you may take for granted about faith, they don't know anything about. Dietrich Bonhoeffer that young German pastor who was executed in, in, in a concentration camp. He writes home to his parents one Christmas from the camp, December 1943, and he's remembering how precious their Christmas traditions were of faith and singing and togetherness. And then he says this, it is times like these ones that show me what it really means to have an inner legacy that's independent of these changed times and conditions. And he goes on. The awareness of being held up by a spiritual tradition, it gives one a strong sense of security in the face of all distress. He wrote that to his mom and dad 16 months before they hung him. So many people, they don't have that kind of inner legacy. They just don't. Faith for them is just some random threads that are out there, just trying to grasp at them. You know, some vague ideas of things you're supposed to believe in. No dependable strength to, to turn to in times of distress. No root system to their faith. When I was thinking about this root system, I remembered a story someone told me years ago about a, a guy in a dentist's office, and he needs a tooth extracted. But every time the, the dentist goes in to extract the tooth, he just clamps his mouth shut. So the dentist hits up on this idea. He, he calls his dental hygienist over, and they step around the corner, and he whispers to her, the next time I get ready to pull the tooth, you take these four steps, and you give him a big pinch in the stomach. So next attempt, the dentist is ready to go, and just as he's ready to pull the tooth, she gives him this vicious pinch with these forceps right down in his side. His mouth opens up, the doc pulls out the tooth, and all is good. Well, that didn't hurt too much, did it, said the doc. Not too bad, said the patient, but who would have thought that those roots were so deep? There's a lot of people unacquainted with faith. They have no idea how shallow their roots are. They have no idea how short they are. And I want to ask you, you know, about your life. What do you want to be known for? What do you want 
your legacy to be. If I asked you to write down one or two pregnant sentences about what you hope your legacy will be, and you had to put them down into print, on paper, what would you write? I can tell you what a lot of people put down on paper, because it ends up in their obituary. The summary of the legacy they're leaving behind. She was the best Chicago Bears fan there ever was. He always mowed his lawn in perfect rows. She lived for shopping on Thanksgiving weekend. That's their legacy? Seriously? That's all that has to be said about summarizing one's life when all is said and done? That's all they have to transmit to those who come after them? What are you going to leave as your legacy to this world? What is it about your character, your integrity, your values, your priorities of faith? What is it that you would like to leave this world? You know, as I see these um, pictures of, of Hurricane Ian and these people, we've seen it, all, all of us have seen it, these people standing on the, the plot where their house was. There's no more house. It's in the Gulf. And we ache, and we ache because we realize they don't have anything anymore. Well, I actually think it's a good exercise to imagine ourselves in the same place. And if everything you have was taken in an instant or washed out to sea, who would you be? What would you have left? What would there be of you? And I sure hope there would be something of you that other people would still want to be around and that other people would delight in and other people would benefit from besides just what you used to have with your earthly goods. The writer in this little passage here, he says to Timothy, there is faith in you and it is real and it is genuine and it is sincere. It is a precious treasure not to be taken for granted. But he says there's something you have to do with it. You have to work it. You have to rekindle it. The word there actually has to do with, you know, when you blow on embers in a fire because the fire's going out. You fan the flames. You have to work that precious faith that is within you. Don't sit on it, that treasure within you, in other words. Other people who have no faith, they have no idea what this passage even means. And anything I'm saying up here is total nonsense to them. But you people, you have faith or you wouldn't be here. Your job... And my job is to just keep rekindling that faith, to blow on those embers when they're sometimes tempted to die out and cause us to be indifferent. We can't just sit on our faith. In 2007, there were a couple guys at the unearthing of that Plymouth Belvedere, and they broke open a couple of the rusty cans of, of Schlitz. And they said it tasted like gasoline. Well, that's what happens when you just sit on your treasure. There's just nothing that comes of it. Jesus, he left a legacy. He did not leave paintings. He did not leave possessions. He didn't leave heirlooms. He didn't leave wealth. He left these beautiful legacies of things like, like the, the knowledge to all of us that suffering isn't the worst thing that happens to us. It isn't because there's this thing called hope that transcends suffering or that at least carries us through suffering. 
And it's Jesus who, who leaves as a legacy for us this beautiful thing called forgiveness that's worth our everything. When we forgive, we think we're, you know, liberating someone wrongly who, who hurt us. But Jesus is actually trying to tell us that you're actually freeing yourself. He leaves us this legacy of unconditional love that will either make or break your life, he says. You can like people conditionally, which is what we all do, right? We, we, we like people sometimes and we don't like them other times. But love, says Jesus, that's unconditional. And to love others is not an affront to your good judgment or your good manners when someone's difficult or very much unlike you. So on and on goes the legacy of our Lord Jesus, which is the foundation of our faith. And, and the writer here says, keep on rekindling that faith. Because God has not given you the spirit of timidity, but God has given you the spirit of power and of love and of self-control. Don't sit on it. Because depending on how you nurture it, that faith of yours is going to be your legacy. It will appear in your obituary, even if you are the best Chicago Bears fan that there ever was. Amen. In the heart of everyone is God At the center lies the seed of Christ May the seed take root May it blossom and grow And may the flower grow beyond all measure In the garden of my soul
falls from me And withered I return to the earth May the love I have shared Be as a living soil Enriching those whom I have touched In the garden of our soul invite you to pray with me as we say our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as in heaven give us today our daily bread forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil for the kingdom the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So, now in the coming days, may you be blessed with a true desire to keep rekindling that faith that is within you, to keep resuscitating and revivifying that faith that God has entrusted to you, not doing so timidly, but boldly, for you have been given the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.